Welcome to Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm Curtis Birch, host and producer on News Radio 630 WLAP, the home of the Cats, right here in Lexington. And I'm Kyle Tucker of The Athletic, and together, Curtis and I are here every day, Monday through Friday, talking the Cats. If it's a big deal to the Big Blue Nation, you can hear it right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. This edition of the show is going to kind of be a potpourri. We're going to preview Kentucky versus Utah. We're going to dive a little bit deeper into the numbers of the guys that have left the Kentucky program recently. We kind of touched on them at the end of the previous podcast. We're also going to tell you about a guy who's going to play two sports for Kentucky next season. At least that's his plan. But let's start, Kyle, with Utah. Going through the numbers and actually... I sent out some tweets today about where Kentucky ranks in some things, and it's not good. I think you might have used a couple of these uh, previously, but the three-point defense is, was it, let's see, I got the number right here, 341st in three-point defense. Opponents are shooting 40%. They are 334th in three-pointers attempted, and this is kind of a reoccurring theme. Um, But the one that I got to that, brings Utah into this, Kyle, was something that Calipari mentioned on his coach's show was assists per game. They're 152nd in assists per game, averaging 14.1. And ironically, the team right above them at 151 is Utah. So kind of like middle of the pack, just a little bit, but that's not where you want to be in assists uh, for a team like Kentucky. Yeah, there's, uh, I think they kind of go hand in hand, the assists and the three-point shooting they're just not uh getting the ball to guys in good position or for open shots and uh yeah it it, utah is very bad across the board uh kentucky's very good in some things and some and very bad in others and um so that they're in the same company with uh with utah and anything probably not great right now utah's four and four um this should be a game kentucky rolls in but we'll see they're dealing with some uh turmoil right now obviously with quad a leaving in the middle of the week uh utah's beaten minnesota or lost to minnesota lost to hawaii lost to northwestern by 22 lost by 11 to hawaii um, and just just lost by i think 15 to byu so um not not an especially impressive team. They're in the 120s in Ken Palm's rankings, I think 127th or something like that. Um, 129th, uh, actually. They rank 195th in defensive efficiency, so not a good defensive team. This should be a good uh, should be a good game for Kentucky to try to get some things rolling offensively. Yeah, I don't think there's any question of that, and you know, going into this, we were kind of discussing the upcoming games, and obviously with North Carolina and Louisville on the horizon, the Quad A Green hit at a at a bad time in that instance. And you know, you mentioned Kyle that in theory he could have stayed for those two games and maybe helped Kentucky out a little bit. I'm not saying he necessarily owed that to UK or anything, but kind of looking at it right now, maybe if you want to try to take a, a silver lining as him leaving before this Utah game potentially allows them to kind of have a run against a team that isn't to the level of um, North Carolina or Louisville. And uh, this this week, Louisville struggled with Lipscomb. And I know you're a big fan of Lipscomb, Kyle, but I mean, you know, they Louisville's a good team, but I don't think they're, you know, a borderline tournament team. So obviously UNC is going to be a challenge, but maybe this can be a get-right game, even though it is a name-brand school. 
Yeah, I mean, it it had better be if they're not ready to beat uh, what is not a very good Utah team. I mean, it's ranked like fifty spots lower than uh, UNC Greensboro, so. Um, th- this should be a game Kentucky wins, finds finds some rhythm hopefully for in in some areas. You know, Cal Perry will have every opportunity to experiment probably a little bit in this game, um, see what he likes, and then that's that's really it. So you get one you get one test drive before the Carolina game, and I think the game in Louisville will be difficult, very difficult for Kentucky. Uh, in fact, at this very moment, I would probably favor Louisville in that game. I wouldn't dismiss Lipscomb. It's a team that won two games on the road in the same week in Texas against SMU and a ranked TCU team. I think it was the first win over a ranked team ever for Lipscomb. They're they're good and really had a shot to take out Louisville the other night. And then the, their only two losses are really close losses to Belmont, which uh, Belmont is a is a nightmare for teams every year, coached by a great great coach Rick Bird. So um, that's a that Lipscomb team's a dangerous one. I put Lipscomb kind of in the same. Uh, realm is UNCG. I mean, that, like I think that for Kentucky, that win is going to hold up as a pretty good win. Um, that's a good team with some good players on it. Um, so they challenged uh, they challenged Louisville, but I would I would imagine that that place is going to be rocking. There's at least some reason to hope again. I think for uh, Louisville basketball fans, and they are excited about the Chris Mack era. And frankly, and they have one common opponent, and Louisville has a win over Seton Hall, and Kentucky has a loss. So. Um, I think both those games are going to be brutally difficult, and it doesn't get any easier than you start your SEC play uh, after the holiday. So um, this is kind of it. This is the last – this should be the last tune-up type game they even have available. I, every other game I think will be tough. There's not going to be very many, if any, easy outs in the league at all. I think there's going to be a couple. I think some of the SEC – the bottom of the SEC is okay. They're not good, though. Not good, but I mean, we've seen it every. I mean, teams are going to play whatever is their best. They're going to get close to it, probably. Are you saying uh, that they um, play Kentucky? Everybody's Super Bowl. Oh, remember, remember back when the SEC country first started your podcast, and what did you name it? Everybody's Super Pod. I love that <laughs> name. I was so sad that it went away. <laughs> yeah, and then when I took over, I, I did some rebranding to yep. make it clear what we were talking about, but. Um, you know, it, I look forward to you starting Locked On Lipscomb soon. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but you know, the other the other thing, I guess, and this just kind of popped in my head when you're looking at at Utah, you forget this sometimes, but they're in the Pac-12. So Reed Travis has experience against this roster. I don't know who necessarily that would give a bigger advantage to. Is the Utah coaching staff experienced in how to slow him down, or is he experienced in how to kind of attack? some of the players that are returning to this year. I don't know if that's anything that, that's going to play out on the court, but I, I imagine that it's something maybe he'll be a little bit more familiar seeing a uniform he's used to. Maybe he can have a, a big game, and that can help propel Kentucky to an easy victory. Yeah, I don't. I actually hadn't looked up his box scores because you're right. It's weird. Like I still don't. Uh, I still don't think of Utah as a Pac-12 team, even though I mean it's, they've been in the league for a good long time now. But all the conference realignment has some some teams in some weird places in terms of like how I remember them mm-hmm. uh, from my youth. I mean, I still don't think of Nebraska as is as not a Big 12 team. That's that's really weird to me as well. Yeah, there's no question. Um, I'll tell you what, we're going to take a quick break, and I didn't pr- uh, prep Kyle for this, but he'll have 
little commercial read to get ready. We're going to do a couple quick over and unders, just two on this game, and then we're, and then I'll tell you that note about someone who's coming to UK's campus next year that's going to play two sports. But first, I did want to tell you guys about Sling TV. You know, you don't want to watch the game. You need to watch the game. And sometimes when you're traveling for the holidays, the people's house you're visiting don't have the cable packages to watch your sports. But if you have Sling TV, you'll be able to take it with you. If you're sick of paying for 20 channels you never watch just so you can see your team win, Sling TV is the best way to watch college football, college basketball, NBA, all kinds of sports. 30 bucks a month gets you ESPN, Pac-12 Network, SEC Network, and more. You can stream on your big screen and all your favorite devices. That's the part where you can take Sling TV with you. Sling TV gives you the live TV you love, only better. No useless channels, no long-term contracts, no hidden fees. You can cancel anytime. And right now... Locked On listeners can get a free seven-day trial by going to sling.com slash locked on. That's S-L-I-N-G dot com slash locked on. It's a free trial. You got nothing to lose. You are Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast. So, Kyle, here's uh, my over-under, the first one. How many minutes do you think Jamal Baker's going to end up getting in this game? Obviously, we've been talking a ton about him trying to take the role that Quade Green is going to leave a void. I mean, is he going to get significant minutes? Is it going to be garbage minutes? It potentially it is a blowout. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, I'm going to say he gets five minutes or less. Okay. So you're going I mean, to... Because the other piece of this is, like, I think Calipari's got an opportunity to just play the other three guards um, more and let them play through mistakes and uh, kind of figure out how he wants to use them. I think Jamal Baker is going to probably have to earn his time in practice. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, and Calipari makes that that very clear. I was just, you know, it's just one of those things, I guess, and there's two ways to go, as you just say, do you develop the three guards that you've been using or do you try to work a new guy into the rotation? I, it become, I guess the point mainly becomes moot if Tyler Hero gets back to what he can shoot, how he can shoot. Um, but at this point... You know, that's that's still a question mark, so I don't know. Um, the other one I'll give you, and I'm making this over-under off on the top of my head. Oh, I got it. And this is a, a one that we like to do. How many times do you think there'll be a flashback during the broadcast to the 98 championship game? <laughs> Probably quite a bit. I'll say uh, at least twice. Twice. I'll take, I'll tell you what, I'll go over on both of you. So we'll just, I'll just pick against you in this, this one when we're doing on the basketball side to comparatively what we did to the football, because I think, I think there'll be at least one in the intro. There'll be another one. And uh, I think the third one will just be like an ode to the sweaters that Rick Majerus used to wear back in the day when he was patrolling the sidelines at Utah. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to go with three, and obviously you and I will have to rewatch the broadcast because we will be live in Rupp Arena, and you can follow along with updates on our social media feeds throughout the game. As I mentioned, I wanted to mention the fact that Amani Gilmore is going to play two sports at Kentucky, Kyle. Our good buddy Derek Terry over at the Catsballs talked to him, and his plan is to play football and baseball. And I can't... I didn't and I thought about this for a little bit and nothing came to mind. I can't remember the last two sport athlete for Kentucky. I guess Derek Locke, you I think that was before your time here. He ran a little track, played a little football, but I can't come up with anybody else off the off the top of my head. Was the uh have there not been any any ba- football basketball guys? There haven't been in my time, but have there like 
Isn't there the guy was, that owns the block kick record? Wasn't he on the basketball team for that, a little while? Or that's true. Just, yeah, if you go back, but that's but but I mean that was that's pre Derek Locke, uh, so that's before Derek Locke. So I, I was just trying to think of the most recent one. There were some rumors from back in the day of you know Chuck Hayes. Why don't you go be a tight end and play football for a year? Ravi Moss, uh, who apparently played some high school football after he exhausted his eligibility at basketball, they were saying, why don't you come play some football and those kind of things. But I can't remember any. You know, I, I there was a there's a fun note that I don't think many people know. In high school, Willie Cauley Stein played wide receiver. <laughs> um, but, but obviously he didn't he didn't play football for, for UK. But this would be kind of a cool thing to see. To see a guy because he's a he's a left-handed pitcher, and uh, you know we'll, we'll see how how far he can he can go in, in his baseball career. But I guess this is what we can call the Kyler Murray effect. Yeah, and interestingly, I guess there's a lot of buzz now that NFL NFL people are thinking that he is going to ultimately choose football after being pretty vehemently, you know, I'm going to play pro baseball after this season, and he's obviously under contract with the A's, but. You know, you win the Heisman and and light the world on fire, and NFL teams come calling. I still think he's. Ah, you hate to say too little because somebody will always come along and prove you wrong, but he's little mm-hmm. for a for an NFL quarterback. I'm I'm I, I if I'm him, I'm taking that money in baseball where I can stay a lot healthier, uh, and my body is not undersized for the sport. Um, but yeah, yeah, I'm interested to see this kid. Uh, I saw the highlights. Monty Gilmore, I saw some of his highlights from the state championship game and he yeah. threw a really good, really good deep ball. He looks like a like a big, strong kid um, who can move around and and like like I said, there were three or four throws on the the highlight package that I saw just from the state championship game. I think they played it in this in the Superdome uh, in New Orleans, and he looked really good. Um, so the, I I would imagine Mark Stoops will try to hoard him on the football team as much as he can. But if it, if that's what it takes to get him here, they need every quarterback they can get uh, right now and may need him even more if there's one more transfer, which I still very much suspect there will be. Well, uh, one thing I want to uh, – uh, Let me uh, real quick, and you guys all should go uh, read Derek's full story. You can follow – find him on Twitter at Derek S. Terry, and he's got the link there. But the one quote that stood out that I'll read – he said that um, the coaching staff is telling him they think I can be a good backup for Terry, be behind him probably, come in and compete for a spot. Hopefully I can compete and get the starting spot. But I know they want me to come in and help the team out and back up. So to your point, Kyle, if the coaching staff is kind of letting him know, hey, come on in, get ready, you're probably going to be the backup, they probably know that Gunnar Hoke is most likely going to transfer. Yeah, I mean, I... It's just that's way too logical to think otherwise. Um, one thing I wanted to circle back to that we were talking about earlier, totally unrelated, about Reed Travis in Utah. Uh, Wait, last season, hold on. I, I, I got, you got your note there, so don't forget it. But did you hear that? Uh, I don't know if you were listening to the coach's show, but Calipari finally did it and called him Travis Reed. Nice. <laughs> nice. I was waiting I, for that I, all I, year. I feel much I feel much better that he did because I was I've been worried that I was going to write it that way ever since I, they started recruiting him. So uh, that's good to know. I'm sure it's I'm sure that's a common mistake. Yeah. Um. So Travis Reed, uh, <laughs> Travis comma Reed, looks like last year only played Utah once at Utah. He had 16 and 10. The year before that. If you'll bear with me, he had a 26.5 rebound game against Utah. Oh wow. 
and uh, maybe like, maybe they only no they played him twice, and then he had a uh, a nine point eleven rebound game as well. And then let's see the year before that. I assume he played them. So that's three matchups, three matchups with uh, with Utah in his career. And he set oh, out yeah. the one I, year. I, so he yeah he been... set out the other year. That's as far back it looks like as the uh, ESPN stats are going to take me. But uh, you know he's he's had at least one big game, well two good games and one really big game in his career against Utah. Looks like as a freshman he had a no point six rebound game. So, but yeah, that's what four games there in mm-hmm. his career. So he's relatively familiar. I guess the the whoever he played as a freshman is probably not at Utah anymore. But uh, but he's he's competed against some of the guys that are on this roster for for sure. Well, I'm glad I I thought of that idea, and then you looked it up. That's why we make such a such a grand team, Kyle. Yes, and hopefully you can edit out all the long sputtering pauses while I looked up those stats. I'll edit out one or two, but I want the people to get feel like this is real, so I'll leave a couple in. Coming up next, we're going to dive a little deeper into the guys that have transferred after their sophomore season, and the numbers are not great for UK basketball. But first, I do want to tell you guys about Roman. Guys are terrible at taking care of their health, whether it's a knee injury, bad back, or something worse. Guys are usually more comfortable rubbing some dirt on it than seeing a doctor. The same is true for erectile dysfunction. Studies show 70% of guys who experience ED don't get treated for it. Thankfully, Roman created an easy way to get checked out by a doctor and get treated for ED online. Roman is a one-stop shop where licensed U.S. physicians can diagnose ED and ship medication right to your door. With Roman, there is no waiting rooms, no awkward face-to-face conversations, or uncomfortable trips to the pharmacy. You can handle everything discreetly online, and you all you have to do is visit GetRoman.com slash LockedOn. Fill out a brief medical onboarding, chat with a doctor, and get FDA-approved ED meds delivered to your door in discreet, unmarked packaging. Guys, go online and get checked by the doctor. Erectile dysfunction is a problem that guys don't tackle, but with Roman, it's really easy, so take care of it. For a free online visit, go to Get roman.com slash locked on that's get r-o-m-a-n dot com slash locked on for a free online visit get roman.com slash locked on this is locked on kentucky your team every day so kyle we were we were talking about how a lot of there's been a lot of transfers recently and then also a lot of guys going pro maybe before I wouldn't say they're ready to necessarily. That's all subjective. But the two guys, obviously, that come to mind, uh, Winion Gabriel and Isaiah Briscoe, leave, and neither of them are drafted. Now are both pro players, but they took kind of an unconventional path to get there. And John Hale at the Courier-Journal dove into the numbers a little bit. And here I'll, I'll read a quick paragraph that he had. He said, in, in the span since the last Final Four in 2015, only seven of the 18 scholarship sophomores and juniors on the roster eligible to return to school elected to do so. Um, those, the ones that came back were Dominique Hawkins and Derek Willis twice, junior college transfer Michael Mulder, uh, forward Marcus Lee came back for his junior season and then transferred to California for his senior season, and then the seventh was Alex Poitras. And of the 11 sophomores or juniors who left Kentucky, in that span, this is the number that kind of stood out to me, Kyle. Only one was drafted in the first round. 
that's kind of that's not that's not a good that's not good numbers for UK. Yeah, Calipari likes to talk about or, or a couple of years ago trotted out the term success rate. You know about basically everybody in the program either graduates and or gets drafted and that's you know lately that's that success rate has taken a hit i mean that's a that's a lot of guys you just talked about there who uh now some of them transfer the transfer most of them will graduate or from their other schools and uh but guys that are leaving with eligibility on the table uh to go either not be picked in the first round or not be picked at all um I, I would say that is a, a ding on the success rate. And, um, you know, it's an, it's just an issue that they can't, um, they can't find a way to a recruit guys who are okay with having a full career, or maybe they just haven't wanted to, uh, or B um, convince the guys who come here and, and need to stay a little longer that that's fine. But, you know, I think we've talked about it some, I just think there's an environment right now, because for the first six or seven years of the Calipari era, it was such a pipeline of guys who were here one year mostly and two years max, and they were off to NBA riches. Um, that slowed down a little bit, and it was partly because some of the recruiting, the top guys has slowed down a little bit. So you're getting another tier down of good but maybe not elite players who I think naturally should stay in school two, three, four years, but they don't believe that because they got, they, they were, they were picked by Kentucky. And if you're picked by Kentucky, then, uh, you know, if Kentucky wants you, that means you're a one and done and two had done at worst. And if you aren't, then something's wrong, you know, and there's just this anxiousness to leave. I mean, that's, I think almost undeniable at this point. Why would, why would Winyan Gabriel and Isaac Humphreys and Isaiah Briscoe uh, and all these guys leave when it, everyone was telling them you're not going to be a draft pick. I mean, it wasn't a mystery. It wasn't a draft night shock. It was, you're not a draft pick. They, they would rather go do that and take the long, hard road than to stay at Kentucky. Why is that? Uh, and why are guys like Charles Matthews not willing to stay around at Kentucky, but now that, you know, he's going to carve out what it ends up being a, a four year career uh, anyway, in college somewhere else. Um, I don't know. That's a question I can't really answer, but it's well, it me, very obviously a, a problem for Kentucky right now. I guess I'll put it like this in the, I don't know, just spitballing here, but it's almost they're living in like the the worst of both worlds where the guys that are currently on the roster are go, are believing that John Calipari is going to bring in elite talent, which he does, but as you said, it's not the elite talent that he was initially bringing on you know, John Wall, Carl Anthony Towns. It's not those guys at this point. And so, and you never know. Each, each individual case is a little bit different, but they think in theory that they've been recruited over when I guess when you look at it, it kind of objectively right now, and, you know, I'll just use the, the easiest example is Charles Matthews. He wouldn't have been recruited over. He would be playing right now a ton of minutes. He's good enough. He's showing that in Michigan. So I I feel like maybe that's a, a factor into it, but it is just kind of tough to piece together if there is an overarching theme or if it's just kind of an individual case. Because I mean, you know, you throw out Humphreys and he won't. I, I'm guessing he. I think he, he discussed it a little bit that not homesickness necessarily, but the idea of going home to Australia and playing professionally for a little bit was kind of intriguing to him, and that's why he ended up doing that. But obviously there were certain instances where, in theory, he was going to be recruited over as well. So 
Yeah, I, I don't know if there is an answer, Kyle. It's kind of tough, and it's kind of, as I said, Calipari's getting cut by both ends of the knife, where, you know, the guys are leaving because they're afraid to get recruited over, maybe, but the guys that are coming in aren't good enough initially to take those leadership roles and those starring roles as his freshman that he had early on in his career at Kentucky. How many double-sided knives do you, double-ended knives do you have? About 13. All your knives have two ends? That's interesting. No, like, uh, no, like, a, just, no, I'm saying it's just one tip. <laughs> it's not like you said a... Both, you said both ends of a knife. I said sides, I thought. I meant sides. Like, you know, a butter uh, knife just has one side that's serrated, but some knives has two sides. So it's Double-edged like, sword, yeah. Two, that's two what I was, two. I was trying to pare that down a little bit, because I don't I own any you. swords. Go ahead. I got you. I got you. Yeah, no, I think there's something, I definitely think there's something to that. Like just the idea that guys fear, have feared that they're being recruited over because in the early days of Cal, that's what would have happened. Um, you know, the, the, the issue is just, it's like a backup, right? Like a backlog because they had a, a season or two where the thing kind of, the, the process kind of broke down on them. Uh, they, they didn't get some of the guys they thought they were going to get. Uh, they took maybe a, a couple lesser guys, uh, and then you get a backlog. You've got guys in the program where you're not just pushing them through, and they're great for a year and gone, and, and they're they're okay for a year, and then they need to come back. But then you're trying to recruit over them, and so then they're thinking about leaving, and it's just then it becomes a little bit of a cycle. Uh, I think I think that as much as anything is you've you've strung together about three years now, um, where you're not you're not getting you know, instant superstar freshmen, but you're getting guys who think they're that. Mm -hmm. And they, they either are, you know, a little bit um, delusional about their actual um, ability and their own timelines, or they've been, you know, I think in some cases sold that idea in the recruiting process. And then they're looking over their shoulder when, and, and, you know, I think if you were, if you understood what was coming in, you might say, Hey, I can beat that guy out. In Quade Green's case, though, he, he had lost his job. Yeah, I mean, he no. had been recruited over. Well, you know? I mean, that's why I was saying everything is an individual case by case. I, but that's why this is such a difficult question to answer because I don't know if there is one theme while we're trying to piece this part together and how how in theory Calipari could fix it. I don't. I don't know. Sometimes you just got to get lucky to a certain extent, and Memphis not hire hire Penny Hardaway, and then you yeah. get James Wiseman and those kind of things. Yeah, well, there's there's definitely some luck involved. There's definitely some just you know when you're when you're recruiting out of such a small pool, and that's another reason we we've talked mm -hmm. about like recruiting. Like they need to cast a wider net because when you start out and you go, we're only going to recruit these six guys, and you know four of them go somewhere else or whatever, you're kind of screwed. And I think uh, there's a possibility that you have to go almost wholesale shift in philosophy, where you still try to get one or two really really good guys, but you just almost otherwise across the board say, I'm going to recruit a different kind of guy who I'm going to say on the front end, we want guys who are going to be here for three or four years. Like if you, you know, this, this is going to be a program about growth. You might sit a lot your first year. Are you willing to do that? Find the guys because like it's freaking Kentucky. Like there's got to be a number of good players who maybe aren't great players, but really good players who you can identify as this guy I can develop over a career who would happily sign up to wear that Kentucky Jersey for four years and not one or two and leave in discontent. Well, um, that's, that's but, Dante Allen in theory. Yeah. I mean, but yeah, that would, but that yeah. would require 
a pretty wholesale shift in, yeah. in philosophy. And honestly, if Cal wants to get back to being, you know, on the cutting edge or the front, you know, uh, being the, the leader, the thought leader in college basketball, which, you know, he's kind of been passed up a little bit by, you know, get a jump start on when the NBA changes its rule. Go ahead and you're going to have to start recruiting that way anyway in two or three years. Start now, take, mm-hmm. you know, and, and take your lumps. The, but the issue is when you've gotten in that loop, the other issue is when you've gotten in that loop, if you make a change like that, you're going to have one at least horrible year. Yes. You know, I mean, you're going to be awful because you're still going to have all your guys leave. And so then your class that you've brought in is this this class of developmental prospects. Um, now, the answer to that might be make all your high school recruits, for the most part, developmental guys, and then go get proven to proven grad transfers and that softens the blow in your transitional year or two i don't know i mean just really literally thinking this out loud right now and and haven't gone super deep with it but i don't know it's a complicated thing because they've had a they have a system here they have a way and that way has broken down a little bit so do you do you hope you can fix the way you've been doing it? Can you can you alter your recruiting pitch to the top guys and your appeal to the top guys enough that you start getting them again and this all goes away? Or do you just say, we got to reboot and do this a different way? Um, and like I said, if you do, I think that's a great long-term play, but that means Calipari has to be willing and the fan base has to buckle up for what I would guess would be just a horrifically bad transition year. Yep. All right, be sure to be following along with our coverage as we cover Kentucky versus Utah. We'll also, Kyle and I, on Friday, will be at John Calipari's press conference, so follow along on Twitter. I am at Curtis Birch, B-U-R-C-H. Kyle is at... At Kyle Tucker underscore A-T-H. And follow his coverage on The Athletic. You can find my work on BigBlueInsider.com and listen to me weeknights on 630 WLAP. Thank you so much for listening to Locked On Kentucky. We'll talk to you soon. You are Locked On Kentucky, available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or tell Alexa or Google to play podcasts Locked On. Don't worry, I won't finish. You get the idea. Oh, that was weird. I was talking the whole time. I accidentally muted the phone. <laughs> um, You said like something about the number not being good, right? Yeah, number not being good. Yeah.